Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. verses 19 through 30. This is Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 30. Let's give our attention to the reading of God's holy word. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, How as a son with the father he has served me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. And so, Lord, we do pray. We pray for your word, your truth, your light, Lord, just illumine us. Meet us exactly where we are today. That, that Lord, what, what is being said from your word, your truth, would just enlighten our life, Lord, and help us to follow you more closely. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. I want to start today by by saying this, is that Jesus' strategy to save and redeem the world seems flawed to me. Now, I'm going to tell you why here in just a little bit, but before I do that, I want to tell you a few stories. Um, The first is this. When I, my family, we moved to Owasso, Oklahoma the summer before my freshman year, and um, it Anytime you move, it's sort of hard because you got to get to know people and you got to connect with a, a new group of, of folks. And you're wondering, how do I how do I do that? And so I played football, and so one of the things that I started to do was do summer pride, our, our workouts um, that we would do. And I, you know, being the new kid, people kind of look at you with a little bit of suspicion. But there was a guy there. His name was Chris Coke, and for some reason, Chris just took a big interest in me. And it it really, I'm pretty sure he liked me because my last name was Tiger. Um, He just thought that that was the best possible thing, and he just loved saying, hey, Tiger, come over here. Um, You know, sometimes I'll go out to eat, and we'll put our name in, and, you know, I'll say Tiger, and people kind of give me that strange look of, like, really? Is that that actually your your last name? And and so, yes, it is. And, And so I think that's why Chris kind of became connected with me, but made a huge difference, but because I had one friend 
then, then Chris sort of just sort of recommended me to, to the other guys on the football team and, and friends, and, and I was welcomed in to this kind of football community. Um, I've seen that being done in our own youth group. Uh, um, there were some foreign exchange students who started coming to, they were invited by some of our young ladies at the church, and they started to come and began to feel at home because people took an interest in them and invited them in, and, and they, they made it a lot easier. Um, and I've had other people who have really made a, a tremendous difference in my life, who've made it a lot easier to connect with people. Um, one of them was the former pastor of this church, Donna Dodson. Um, uh, here's a picture that Donna and I took at an annual conference, and um, Donna was so gracious to me before I came, because she, um, she gave me lots of information. We sat down, and we had multiple conversations, and, and she was so encouraging um, about me to you all. Um, I didn't get an opportunity to, to hear her last couple of sermons, but, but what you told me um, as a congregation was that she set me up perfectly to be able to come in. And she used her influence that she had as the pastor of this church to make my life easier as I came and, and served as your pastor. And she was generous with her influence. Now, I, I sort of want to ask you, who was it in your life that believed in you and gave you an opportunity to succeed. Uh, maybe it was a teacher or a coworker or a mentor or somebody um, who, who really believed in you and gave you that opportunity to succeed. As I, as I thought about this, I, I had to think about a 49er football player. Um, this here is Raheem Moster, all right? If you're a Packers fan, just shield your eyes for the next uh, little bit. Um, because Raheem Mostert um, was the player of the game last week in the NFC Championship game. He ran for over 200 yards and four touchdowns. Now, the interesting thing about him is that, is that he has played for about, I think he played for five or six different teams before he came to the 49ers. He had been cut again and again. And the only reason why he played with the 49ers is because he was really good at special teams, not because he was a great running back. He literally was fumbling away his chances to be a great running back. But Kyle Shanahan, who was the coach of the 49ers, he, he looked at him and he saw that he had all the ability to play the game, but he just needed to correct some things. And so he told him, I believe you can be a great running back in this league. Now you need to do some things differently, including the way you carry a ball so that you don't fumble as much. But I think if you're given the opportunity, you can succeed. And so that's exactly what he did. And so Kyle Shanahan, as a coach, was generous with his influence Donna Dodson, as the transitioning pastor, she was generous with her influence with me. Chris Koch was generous in his influence with his friends when I was in high school. And this is what we're talking about today. As people of generosity, how can we be generous with our influence? Now, I, this is actually, there, there's a, a job now of being an influencer, all right? Now, um, it's particularly a social media influencer, all right? So there are people that have YouTube channels, all right, where you get to watch them play video games and they, uh, they impact thousands or millions of people, all right? My son, Micah, loves Dan TDM. Uh, that's his favorite uh, influencer, all right? Apparently there's this guy named Ninja who's apparently really popular as well. I don't really know much about Ninja except he was on The Masked Singer, all right? But, but this is a whole new world of, of just of economics and of professions. And so on a website, I found about what an influencer is, and this is what they describe an influencer is. Is an influencer is someone who has the power to affect the purchasing decisions of others, 
because of his or her authority, knowledge, position, or relationship with his or her audience. And I really want to, I want to just modify that definition a little bit. An influencer is someone who has the power to affect the decisions of others because of their authority, because of their knowledge, because of their position, or because of their relationship. It goes on to say this, that uh, an influencer is someone who has a following in a distinct niche with whom he or she actively engages. The size of the following depends on the size of his or her topic of the niche. And so here's what, um, I think we all have our own niches, all right? Some of them may be smaller, some of them may be bigger, but we all have the ability to influence other people, all right? It may be in your family that, that you have the ability to influence people in your family. It may be in your group of friends um, at, at school. It, it may be in your job. It may be in your community that, that you have the ability to influence people because of your knowledge, because of your position, because of your authority, or because of your relationship. And so I really want us to see, to think about today, is where do I have influence and how can I use it? All right, but sometimes we don't use the influence that we have, and there are some things that get in our way of using that influence. The first reason why we struggle to share our influence is because sometimes we don't even know that we have it. We look at other people as being people of power. We look at other people as they have a platform, they have a stage, they're more influential than I am. But we all have influence. We all have abilities to affect the lives of the people around us. And so each and every person in this room has an influence. Um, again, when I look back at high school, Chris Koch didn't realize the influence he had, but he had a huge impact on my life, and he had influence in his circle of friends. The second reason we, we struggle to share our influence is sometimes our ego gets in the way. Because we think that if we give somebody else an opportunity, they may do it better than we do it. We see this happen in professional sports sometimes, in which the existing quarterback or the older quarterback won't work well with the younger quarterback because they don't want him to take his job, right? And so, but, but here, as we're going to be generous with our influence, we're going to raise up people and we're going to give other people opportunities. We're not going to let our ego get in the way. We're not going to be afraid somebody will do it better, but we're going to encourage them to be all that God has called them to be. And I think sometimes we struggle to share our influence because we don't want to give up control. We're doing something, we get value out of it, we get meaning out of it, and if we were to share that or give that away, then, then we may not have that. But that's not the way that God wants us to live, is to hoard influence. But he calls us to share that. And that's really what we see in our scripture here, is an example of somebody who has great influence, but does not want to use the influence for themselves, but wants to share it with other people. So let me tell you a little bit about who Paul was who wrote this letter. Um, Paul was one of the um, great, great, great early church missionaries. And, and he would take these missionary journeys in which he would, he would set sail and he would stop and he would start these churches in various different cities. And so he'd be in a city for a while, he'd start a church, and then he'd leave and he'd go and he'd start a new church. He was so influential that the last half of the book of Acts is really about his ministry and multiple um, books in the New Testament are letters that he's written to the churches. And this letter that, that he is writing to the church in Philippi, to the Philippians, is one of those churches that he's established. And so he's the father of, of this church, and so if he communicates something to them, they are going to listen. He has great authority in that church. And so they had sent him a letter, 
Um, and he, in this letter, he is responding to them. Now, Paul is in prison. And when you're in prison, apparently you don't get to move around much. And so while his heart was to go and visit the Philippians, he wasn't able to. And so he shared his influence in a couple ways. One is, he wrote this letter. The second is, is that he was sending these people. Now, he, he, he was sending Timothy, that was one of his hopes, but he also wanted to send this guy by the name of Epaphroditus. Now, because I don't want to say that name all Sunday morning, I'm going to call him E-Man when we talk about him, all right? Um, and so he sent this guy named by, sent this E-Man to the people. Actually, he sent them back to the Philippians, all right? Because um, this was most likely, E-Man was the one who delivered the letter from the Philippians to Paul. But what they heard was that E-Man had gotten sick, and this was actually true, that he had gotten sick and had almost died, and they didn't know if he was alive or dead. And so he wanted to assure them that he was alive. And so part of what he's saying is that this guy is okay, but also he's sending him back to them. And he wants them to recognize this man as somebody with authority. This is what he says about E-Man in verse 25. That, that I'm sending my brother, my fellow worker, and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. He's sending him, and he's, he's recommending him to the people. This is somebody that I consider my brother and fellow worker. And so what he says in verse 29 is this, So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. And so he's, he's giving E-Man this authority to go and to be a leader in this church because of what he sacrificed, not only for the Philippians, but also for Paul. And so he's, he's saying, you can trust this person, and this person is somebody that is a good leader. Now, the other person that he sent was a guy by the name of Timothy. Now, now Timothy is a, is a figure that, that comes up multiple times in the New Testament and always connected to Paul. And so in your New Testament, there's this book. There are these books, First and Second Timothy. These are letters that Paul wrote to Timothy because he wanted to empower him. He wanted to teach him and train him. And, and, and Timothy um, was always looked up and saw Paul as a mentor. And Paul had great affection for Timothy. Did you know what it said at the very beginning of the scriptures? I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. Here's what he said. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Think about those words that he said about, about just recommending and encouraging Timothy. I have no one like him. Of all the people that I've been in relationship with, there's no one quite like Timothy. And what is it that stands apart? He doesn't say, oh, he's an eloquent speaker. Oh, he doesn't have this gift of prophecy or this gift of healing. What he says about him is his character. I, there is no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. Is that he recommends his heart, not just his behaviors. And I think about just the generosity that what he's saying is that you can trust him. And so Paul could have easily have just written a letter and said, if you need more, ask me. But instead, Paul said, trust these and he shared his influence 
to make it easier for them. And so here's what I believe, is that we can be like Paul, and we can generously share our influence with others. And this is how I, I understand this to happen, is that I can be generous with my influence by trusting, equipping, empowering, and vouching for others. Now here's what I mean by that, and let me, let me tell you a little bit of a story. When I uh, got to be the associate preaching pastor at First Methodist Church in Tulsa at the age of 29, um, I didn't realize until I looked back what a gift that was going to be. Um, I, when I, when I got there, um, one of the great gifts I had was to work under a gentleman by the name of Wade Pascal. And, and so what was remarkable about Wade is he had been the pastor there for probably about 15, 16, 17 years, but he instantly shared the platform with me. And so while he typically preached in the traditional service, he gave me this whole service called Regeneration that that had been meeting for a, a, a while, and that these were going to be my, my people, and he trusted me, somebody he didn't know terribly well, with this position. But, but he said, Aaron, I believe in you, and I trust you. And, and there were multiple times in which we shared the stage, and just by sharing the stage with him, he vouched for me, he was affirming that I was able to speak on his behalf to the church. But not only did he trust me by giving me this um, opportunity, um, not just to preach in regeneration, but also he gave me the opportunity to preach in the sanctuary there. Now, that, that sanctuary um, was a kind of a classic Gothic cathedral built in 1928, beautiful sanctuary, and it had this historic pulpit, not as old as this one, but it had a historic pulpit. The unique thing about that pulpit, believe it or not, is it had an air conditioning system built into it, all right, in which there were, there were pipes here that blew cold air on the preacher. Um, while he was preaching, all right? Kind of crazy, all right? But that's, uh, it, was this, it was this grand place, and he, and he trusted it to me um, in that way. But he also equipped me. One of the, the great joys of, of my ministry there was to work with Wade, and every Monday we would sit down, and we would exegete, we would, we would read the scripture, and we would study it together. Now, um, I enjoy reading scripture with people, and I get lots of great insight, because we all bring something different when we read scripture together. It's a very holy thing. But with Wade, it was different, because he, when he, uh, right after he graduated from seminary and got his PhD, he taught Greek and Hebrew, the languages that the Bible was written in. And so I would pull up my Bible in the ESV, and he would pull it out in the original Greek. It's weird to read scripture with somebody in another language, all right? But this is what he would do, and he would bring the scripture to life in a way that I hadn't experienced. And he taught me so much, and he made me a better preacher because he equipped me with a better understanding of scripture. And through his experience, and we talked about that. And again, he empowered me by giving me the opportunity. And now this is, what, this is who I want to be. I want to be somebody who trusts other people to do great ministry. You guys are gifted folks. We all want to be a part of, of equipping and giving you the tools you need to be able to tell other people about Jesus and the way that God created you, to empower you with opportunities, and to vouch for you and to say, I trust you, and I believe in you. And I think this is something that we all can be. It's not just about ministry, but, but where you have your spheres of influence, are you being generous by trusting people, by equipping them, empowering them, and vouching for them? And then you may think, Aaron, that sounds good in theory, but they're going to screw it up. You don't know the people in my circle. And, 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 and you know what? The truth is they probably will. But I think being generous with our influence means we have to give people permission 
to fail. And that's why I really don't agree with Jesus' strategy to save the world. Because now I'm not talking about his life, his death, his resurrection. I'm talking about what he was going to do after he ascended to heaven and who he trusted. Because by the, by the outside looking in, it doesn't make sense for the two main people that he trusted to further his mission. The first was a guy by the name of Peter. All right, now Peter was, was one of Jesus' early, um, I mean, he was one of his main disciples. Um, but, but Peter's, like, resume is pretty poor when I look at it. The first is, I think it's reasonable to call Peter a liar, all right? Because Peter told Jesus, I swear, he said, if other people uh, fall, I will never leave your side. He told Jesus, said, you're going to deny me. And he said, no, I'm not. But we know the story, don't we? And if you haven't, here's the story. Is that on the night in which Jesus was arrested, Peter followed at a distance. But when people said, don't you know Jesus? Three times he denied knowing Jesus. And then the rooster crowed and he remembered what Jesus said. But yet this is the person, one of the people that Jesus promised to start the church. Peter is also violent, all right? That night when Jesus was arrested, what does it tell us that Peter did but grab the sword and cut the ear off of one of the soldiers that came to arrest Jesus, all right? I don't know about you, but if I'm selecting leaders, I'm not selecting the one that cut the ear off somebody, all right? But this is what Jesus did. It's interesting that we, we find it in our story, we find this great scripture about when, when Jesus gave Peter authority. And so um, Jesus had asked people, who do people say that I am? And, and Jesus, uh, some people gave different answers, but this is what Simon Peter said. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. He changed his name from Simon to Peter, which means rock. And on this rock, on you, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And then Jesus does something extraordinary. All right, He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of of heaven. Who do you give your keys to, right? I, I think about, um, my kids aren't old enough to drive yet, um, but I think about just how anxiety-producing that's going to be when I give them the keys. But this is what Jesus does. Is he gives the keys of the kingdom to Peter. And, the, and he says, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. But then right after that, right after that, uh, it's, and this is what our scripture tells us. is from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. That's bold of Peter to rebuke Jesus, but that's what he did, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. And here's what Jesus said to Peter. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. So who, what are the great qualifications of Peter, the one who Jesus built the church on? He was a liar, he was violent, and Jesus called him Satan. But Jesus trusted him still. And what we see in the, in the book of Acts, while Peter isn't perfect, of course, is that, is that he heals people. 
raises people from the dead in the name of Jesus. He preaches and thousands of people come to the Lord. And even now we can trace our, our church lineage back all the way to Peter being the foundation of the church. Now another person that Jesus trusted is this guy named Paul. Now we, re we heard from Paul earlier but one of the things that, that Paul was, was he's a persecutor of the faith. That's how he's introduced. In fact, his name is Saul at the beginning of, of Acts. And, and he's a persecutor. He is making life miserable for the, the Christians. In addition to that, he, he admits himself as a, that he's arrogant. Um, he was a, um, a Pharisee. Um, and so that he, he really believed that he did the law perfectly. And he was also a Roman citizen. And so he had this great power. Um, that he had, and he knew that he had authority wherever he would go. And not only that, he was a persecutor and he was arrogant, but he was also a murderer. Um, in Acts chapter 6, we, we learned about the stoning of Stephen, the first Christian martyr. And there was Pete, there was Paul sort of collecting the coats at the murder. Sort of a, a mob boss, if you will. He may not have thrown a stone, but he certainly approved of everything that and this is a person that God said, you know what, I want you to go and be the missionary that spreads the good news of Jesus Christ to the world. And so I, Jesus doesn't have a plan B, but imperfect people. He trusts us and entrusts us with his mission to share the good news. He's generous in that way. This is what he says in John. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. And so Jesus says that, that we, you and I, can do greater things than him. And, and, and I think that's the case because he empowers us for his mission. He gives us his Holy Spirit. And when we can go and be influential, and so I want you to be influential in, in your places of work, in your groups of friends, in your schools. I think that we can be generous with our influence. But I also especially want us to be generous with our influence of sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Is that you have a story, and that we always need to be ready to give an account for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And that we are called not to store that for ourselves, but to share that. And often our story of, of brokenness or a story of pain can help other people who are walking through things. And one of the things that, that I see is that those of you, you're using your authority, your knowledge, your position, your relationships, but you're also using your struggles. And sometimes those things that we don't want to use our influence with because of how painful they are for us is exactly what somebody can use. So we can be generous with our pain that can bring healing to other people. So my friends, that's what I encourage all of us today to do, is to be generous, to be generous and to give other people chances, and to be generous with the good news of Jesus Christ and how he has saved us. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.